Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and welcome to Back to the Bible Canada with Dr. John Newfeld. We continue our current series, The Progress of the Gospel, from Romans chapter 9 to 11 with a message entitled, Reason for Thanks. So let's begin today by turning in our Bibles to Romans chapter 9, verses 25 to 29. The Maasai tribe in West Africa, well, they have an unusual way of saying thank you. Translators tell us that when the Maasai express thanks, they bow, put their foreheads on the ground and say, my head is in the dirt. When members of another African tribe want to express gratitude, they will sit for a long time in front of the hut of the person who did a favor, and they'll literally say, I sit on the ground before you. Now, I mention this because with both of these examples, we can see that thanksgiving always involves humility. That's what these tribes understand. When you and I want to thank someone, we should say to them, well, you've treated me with such grace, a grace that's greater than I deserve, and I'm humbled by your lavishness. My head is in the dirt before you. You know, sometimes when I read and study a passage of Scripture, I find myself with my head in the dirt. It's just that I begin to realize the ramifications of what Scripture is saying, and it's staggering. And today, as we read Romans 9, 25 to 29, I find myself overwhelmed with the far-reaching implications of what's being communicated. How shall I respond to this? And my prayer today is that you, my dear listener, might have the exact same reaction that I've had when I've studied Romans 9. Now, in order to elicit that reaction, let's remember what we've been studying. The point of Romans 9 to 11 is to show us God's wisdom in causing the gospel to grow. Paul begins this section of Romans by pointing out that God has revealed his splendor and glory through his chosen people Israel. They are his chosen ones. And from that, Paul wants to point out that it is God who chooses a people. It's always been that way. God chose Abraham, not the other way around. Of the eight sons of Abraham, God only chose one, Isaac. Of the two sons of Isaac, God chose one and rejected the other. And lest we think that this has something to do with the moral superiority of Jacob over his brother Esau, we soon realize that both brothers deserve to be rejected, and yet God had mercy on the one. The point has been recorded in Romans 9.16 so that it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. And of course, we see that this leads to the doctrine of our salvation by grace alone, not as a result of works or of anything that we've done. Now then, building on that theme, he adds a beautiful line found in Romans 9.24, even on us whom he is called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. And here we start to touch on the matter that is so overwhelming, that once it's understood, any child of God might just want to fall on their knees and begin to worship and say, my head is in the dirt. So let's begin to read Romans 9, 25 to 26. As indeed he says in Hosea, those who are not my people, I will call my people. And her who is not beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. Now, what we've just read is a quotation from the book of Hosea, the first quote from Hosea 2 verse 23, and the second from Hosea chapter 1 verse 10. 
And like almost every other time, when the New Testament quotes from the Old Testament, we will not understand it until we go back to the Old Testament from the source of the quote and understand the context. Now, those of you who are unfamiliar with the fascinating history of the prophet Hosea, let me fill you in on some important details. Hosea prophesied in the northern kingdom of Israel at the time when the one nation of Israel was divided and had become two separate and independent nations called Israel in the north and Judah in the south. Hosea was a prophet in Israel to the north. His prophecies cover a period of about 40 years, from the years 760 to 720 B.C. In the year 722, near the end of a long career, Hosea watched as the Assyrian nation, a great, powerful, and cruel empire, conquered Israel and dragged the entire population into exile and permanently removed them from the promised land. But Hosea already knew well in advance that this was going to happen. He knew well how Israel had completely abandoned the Lord, had sold out to idol worship, were mistreating the poor, and regarding all of God's people with contempt. Initially, when he began to prophesy, the nation was extremely prosperous, but Hosea knew what was going to happen. This prosperity would not last and he pronounced that God was going to judge and condemn Israel. But that background only sets up the drama for Hosea's personal ministry. His ministry begins when God spoke to him and commanded him to do something incredible. He was to get married, and not just to get married, he was to marry a woman named Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim. And this woman, wait for it now, this woman was a well-known prostitute. I know that seems almost inconceivable, that God would ask such a thing, but Hosea was going to learn that his personal life was going to be a metaphor for the kind of relationship that God had with Israel. In other words, God was saying to the nation of Israel, have you noticed who Hosea has married? Well, if you find that shocking, consider this, when I called Israel to be my people, I too was marrying a well-known prostitute. You, Israel, are that prostitute. You have sold yourself to commit adultery with the idols of the nations around you. Wow, those are strong words. Now then, Hosea and Gomer have three children, and God gave each of them a name. The first child was a boy, and they named him Jezreel, which means God sows or God scatters. The image is of a sower who goes out and scatters his seed, and the idea behind the name was quite simply this. God was saying that the outcome of his relationship with Israel would come down to this thing. He would scatter them. He would put an end to their kingdom and scatter them among the nations. Now then, Hosea and Gomer have a second child. She's a girl, and they name her No Mercy. And then they have a third child, a boy, and God names him as well, Not My People. So here they have three children, God scatters, No Mercy, and Not My People. And after the three children were born, Gomer went back to her prostitution. She just couldn't resist the lifestyle. Gomer pursued as many lovers as she could, getting all of her needs met by them. And as it is with this kind of a woman, as as time progressed, she became less attractive. 
She was only able to find the worst of men who abused her and wouldn't take care of her needs. And so we find Hosea secretly paying for her bills and providing her with material needs, which Gomer assumes comes from her lovers. Finally, she's so destitute, she's sold in a slave market, and it would seem that the sorry account of Hosea and Gomer comes to a wretched end. And then comes this stunning twist in the plot line. Listen to Hosea chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. And the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lethek of barley. And I said to her, You must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man, so I also will be to you. And then God changes the names of the three children. God scatters, becomes planted by the Lord. No mercy becomes, I will have mercy, and not my people becomes, you are my people. And what we learn in Hosea is that even though God will scatter and destroy without mercy and abandon his people Israel, it will be only for a season. And then God will buy them from the land of slavery and bring them home, and then they will be his people. And so Paul quotes from this amazing book, not my people will be called my beloved. And one day, these very people will become sons of the living God. And those verses speak of the infinite kindness and compassion of God for his rebellious children of a prostitute. The contrast between the prostitute and the love and compassion of God is so startling in the book of Hosea. They have to sit back and think, is this what God thought of Israel's sin? And the answer is yes. Yes, he was disgusted and angered by their sin, and yet, for the purpose of his great cause in election, and for the sake of his great name, he had compassion. And then, please don't miss this, it's so important. Paul takes this passage from Hosea, this amazingly merciful passage, and he then applies it to the Gentiles. From Hosea, Paul wants to teach us that if you're a Gentile believer, that's exactly how it is that God made you his own. Think about that long enough and your head will be in the dirt. God has made you his own. What incredible words of promise offered to you and I as Gentiles. What we were is now redefined but what we are by the mercy of God's grace. More when Dr. Neufeld returns. This month, Dr. Neufeld also shared one new series entitled Finding Forgiveness for the Worst of Sins. This is a series so important for those who are carrying a heavy burden of sin and wonder, can I be forgiven? Can I walk closely to my God again? Now this five-message series on CD is being offered for anyone who would ask for free. And not just one, but we feel this series is so important, we want to offer you a second copy for free to give to someone else in need of this great promise of forgiveness. All you need to do is ask, and we'll send one or two copies, your choice, to you free. Just call us at 1-800-663-2425 or email your request at info at backtothebible.ca. Now let's return to Back to the Bible with Dr. John Newfeld. In Romans 9, 25 to 26, Paul has been quoting from the prophet Hosea. Those who are not my people, I will call my people. And her who is not beloved, I will call beloved. 
and in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. Now that passage, initially written to wayward and rebellious Israel, is now used by the Holy Spirit to speak to Gentile followers of Jesus. Once you were not a people, once you only deserved wrath, once you should have been scattered and abandoned, but just like the choice of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God has chosen you for his own. Let's see if we can make that personal. In that very place where it was said, you are not the people of God, where is that place? It's in China and in Africa and in Europe, in the Middle East and in India and in the island nations and in those places that had never heard of the true and living God, those that had no part of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God has called out a chosen people from among them. Listen to these words of Jesus recorded in Matthew 8.11. I tell you, Many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. God is overwhelmingly gracious. Nothing should be more surprising to any Gentile follower of Jesus than to find oneself an object of God's mercy and a chosen follower of Jesus. Right there in God's trophy case, containing the trophies of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, containing Moses and Aaron and Miriam, Joshua and Caleb, Deborah and Barak, Ruth, David, Jonathan, Isaiah and Jeremiah, James, Peter, Paul and John, Mary the mother of Jesus and Mary Magdalene, there at the table containing God's trophies made up of his chosen people there in that place, I as a Gentile heard him call my name and included me among them. I'm staggered at the invitation, at the hand of Jesus, who pulled back one of the chairs around his chosen table and motioned to me and said, this chair is yours, come and sit. I call you one of the sons of the living God. I graft you into Israel and you are mine. You know, when the Maasai in Africa encountered overwhelming kindness, they said, my head is in the dirt. And what can I as a Gentile believer say that does not sound trite or commonplace or completely unworthy? My head is in the dirt. I am moved to worship. See, I wonder how often you allow yourself to think those thoughts. Are you driven to your knees in worship? Will you say, oh Lord, eternity is not long enough for me to find ways of expressing worship? We might think that these words are enough. But Paul has been wanting to take us back to the people of Israel, God's people according to the flesh. God also offers a seat at the table to Israel. And the situation with believing Jews is no less remarkable than believing Gentiles. Let's read Romans 9, 27 to 29. And Isaiah cries out concerning Israel. Though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, Only a remnant of them will be saved. For the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth fully and without delay. And as Isaiah predicted, if the Lord of hosts had not left us offspring, we would have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. Now, from this passage, let's find out what we learn from Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah's ministry overlapped with the 19 last years of Hosea and then carried on for another 35 years after him. It's a remarkable career of 54 years of prophetic ministry. Many people will say that Isaiah was the greatest of all of the prophets. 
He named Cyrus the Great of Persia by name and predicted with absolute accuracy what Cyrus would do some 200 years before the events happened. He went beyond that, seeing 700 years in advance, predicting with accuracy the sufferings of the Christ. And then he goes to the end of time and speaks of God's great reign that will cover the whole earth. Isaiah's prophecy is of a staggering nature that encompasses God's purposes and God's plans and God's chosen future for the earth. But Isaiah was also very aware of the immediate things that surrounded him. He saw the hardness of the people of Judah, the southern kingdom of the Jews. For 54 years, he warned them what their hardness would mean, and no one responded to his message. Putting Hosea 1 verse 10 and combining it with Isaiah 10, 22 to 23, Paul points out something Isaiah knew. Isaiah knew that the vast majority of the Jews, although they had what Paul pointed out in Romans 9, 4, and 5, although they had the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises, although they had the Messiah himself, only a remnant of them would be saved. Only a small fraction of them would be at the table of God's trophies. So what is it that Israel learns from Isaiah, the greatest of the Old Testament prophets? First, they learn that they are a nation of rebels, so much so that those who obeyed God in Israel were the minority. Only a remnant would be saved. Now, please understand, for those of us who complain because the majority have turned from God in our country, that's how it's always been everywhere, even in ancient Israel. Jesus said that the way is narrow and only a few find it. In Israel was and is a nation of rebels, and in that way, they represent that the world is a company of nations who are also rebels. Second, Israel learns that God is just. That's what Paul meant when he said that the Lord will carry out his sentence without delay. The idea of without delay means that God will not delay his sentence upon the earth any longer than his purpose demands. God's judgment day will be on time. Nothing will slow that day down. God will not allow rebels to go unpunished. So in verse 29, Paul ends with one last quote taken from Isaiah chapter 1, verse 9, in which Isaiah, looking toward a future day, predicts the devastation of Judah, but that devastation will be like a booth in a vineyard and like a lodge in a cucumber field and like a besieged city. In other words, Only a remnant of Judah will survive. But as ominous and as terrible as all that sounds, if you listen carefully, you're going to find a note of hope. The note of hope is found in this statement. Israel will not be like Sodom and Gomorrah. You see, when God visited Sodom and Gomorrah, he destroyed those cities so thoroughly that to this day, nothing is or will be built in that place. It's a perpetual ruin. It's an image of God's complete judgment. But God will not overthrow Israel that way. He's chosen them. If the Lord of hosts had not left us offspring, we would have become like Sodom and Gomorrah, says Isaiah. So as we study Romans 9 to 11, we will eventually come to Romans 11. There Paul will, in great detail, discuss the theme of the future plans that God has for Israel. Something altogether wonderful is in store for this nation whom God has chosen. He will call this rebellious people home, 
And in the meantime, Israel can say this with confidence, we have survived because of the mercy of God. And it is this theme of mercy that brings us full circle. Whether in relation to Israel or to the Gentiles, if any man or woman finds themselves among those whose sins are forgiven and are followers of Jesus, one thought ought to overwhelm us that this choosing of God should so overwhelm us, that we should be moved to worship. Well, now would be a good time to address a subject matter that I've not taken up up till now. Nothing that Paul writes in Romans 9 takes away from the necessity that we have to surrender our lives into the hands of Jesus. Moses' words in Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 are not to be neglected here. I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life. See, the necessity of choosing Christ is not discounted here. It's affirmed. But I fear that many of us have reduced our salvation to our choice alone. And for that reason, so many of us have not placed our head in the dirt and are not genuinely overwhelmed that we have come to choose Christ. After all, For so many, our salvation is no mystery at all. But until we consider the nature of our election and the profound mercy of God, that we who were not a people, were guilty before God, should have been gathered up and invited to sit at His table, until we begin to revel in God's gracious, sovereign choice for His own. I fear we'll never be grateful for our salvation. From the scripture we learn that all of our salvation does not hang upon human will or exertion, but upon the mercy of God. And in the face of such mercy, truly, our head is in the dirt. John, this has been really insightful. And I can just see, though, some of the, not objection, but thought patterns of people thinking, well, if this is all true, then really, The whole idea of choice is really out of our hands. God has elected us, and that's it. We must choose. You know, choose you this day whom you will serve. Uh, Christ called upon people to uh, abandon whatever attachment they had to this world and make a choice. So, uh, you know, nothing that I'm saying wants to take away from that. And, And sometimes I fear that some of us want to reduce all of our theological formulations down, you know, to only one perspective. And I think this is where we make so many of our mistakes. I think we ought to approach Romans 9 with an open heart here and become overwhelmed at the fact that God has made his gracious choice. So I'm not arguing that we shouldn't choose. We should, we must, but we should be overwhelmed with the fact that God has invited us and chosen us to sit at his table. What an amazing thought. Thanks so much, John. Back to the Bible Canada, leading you forward in your walk with Jesus every day. The time is drawing close for us to voyage out on our New Testament Greece by land and by sea tour. 12 days of touring some of the greatest New Testament locations. That's eight days by land and four days sailing the Mediterranean. While gaining important biblical insight from Dr. John Newfeld, encouragement from Phil Calloway, and a wonderful time of inspiration and worship with award-winning musical artists Shane and Angela Weeb. So take the time today to discover more. 
and make sure to join us for this refreshing, intimate journey in the Gospels by land and by sea this April 24th to May 5th, 2017. Call 1-800-663-2425. That's 1-800-663-2425. Or check out backtothebible.ca for more information. There are only a few spots available now, so inquire soon.